I'd like to this morning, since last week we kind of cut things short off at the end of Bible Hour, we were looking at some words throughout the Bible on the topic of fellowship. And I know some of you weren't here last week. Elijah, could you take these few extras that we have um, of a word study on fellowship? If you weren't here last week and you didn't get one of these, could you get, raise your hand and get his attention? And Elijah will get you a copy. What we did last week is we went through, um, we just did a quick overview of the New Testament using the Greek word behind our key verse in Acts chapter 2 on the word fellowship. And we spent some time looking at those verses, and then we had um, some conversation. And it was a really good conversation that we had last week, and um, we cut it short, and we kind of had a vote as to whether or not we should continue, and we still cut it short. So we can pick it up. We can pick it up um, again this week. And I encouraged you last week to take this handout and to look at these verses, read these verses, and read them in context and um, be prepared for the message. It's going to come later this morning. But you know what? I'd love it if you all would preach my sermon before I get to it. And um, because here's the thing, we have the same source, and it is the Word of God. And we're looking to understand this word, and I hope that um, we can learn more of what it means, but then also of how we can live it as a church. I have a few thoughts, but before I start, anyone last week that didn't feel like he got to share what you wanted to share, now's your opportunity. Any follow-up from last week? Or thinking about it, meditating over it during the week? Brother Yusuf. for sharing. I'm sorry to have cut it off last week. Anyone else like to share? Brother Ray.
Thank you. He listed a whole lot of specifics of activities that we can be tied together. And the key piece of that is, is the togetherness of it. Thank you. Anyone else? I have to say, in thinking over this week, I really appreciated what you had to say, Elsie. And that was a distinction between what is friendship and what is fellowship. I, I wondered, did anybody else catch on to that? That was really helpful. I'm going to try to restate it, and then you tell me if I got it right, Elsie. How's that? Uh, she made the statement that friendship is when we come together around common interests, that kind of things, things that we like together. But fellowship is a coming together around God and things of God. And that's exactly, that's exactly, it's kind of like friendship because it is a common interest, but it's really a common relationship. And what I really love about that, that as I've been thinking about it is, what's amazing about fellowship is that yes, it is within a local assembly, that's the most intimate and important part of it, but it's amazing at how you can be in different places and find fellowship. Have you ever been traveling or away from home and been around strangers, and you begin to sense a fellowship? And as the relationship or the time is spent, however short or long, you get the impression or idea, this person's a Christian? The reason is exactly what Elsie pointed out is, is that you each have a relationship with the same person. That is Jesus Christ. You have that common relationship, and that creates a fellowship that even can transcend, well, I shouldn't say even, it absolutely transcends culture, even sometimes language. That's been amazing to me sometimes. Um, even when you're not able to communicate, there's still a sweetness um, that can be in that, in spite of translators and phone translators and all that kind of stuff, there's a sweetness that's there. I can remember many times back before I was married and I'd had business travel. I'll tell you, I don't know how you do it, Mr. Vondi. I couldn't do so much travel. There was a time when I had two weeks away from home and I just about went crazy. It was the loneliest part of my life. It was the two weeks God convinced me I needed a wife. <laughs> it was really lonely. Uh, I spent one week in San Jose, and I spent one week then the following week back-to-back -back in Boston, both in the month of June. Don't recommend that in either of those cities in the month of June. Um, and, and it was just really a, a rough two weeks. But I, I started to feel it, uh, um, the loneliness in a way, almost immediately. And I began to pray, Lord, bring me a Christian. And... Um, and so, first day I was at a conference in San Jose, um, they had provided boxed lunches for everyone, so we got there, and um, big, huge uh, convention hall with probably 2,000 people, and there's just this massive, all these tables everywhere, and so I just found a seat, knew nobody, and um, I opened my boxed lunch, I just bowed my head, and I prayed, and as soon as I finished praying, there were two other guys that came and joined me, and they said, we saw you praying, and we were looking for another Christian, so we thought we'd join in here. 
And um, us three guys hung out the rest of that conference. And it was a huge impact for me because there was an immediate commonality between us. And what was amazing then as I started to figure it out, it's like, oh, why a high school friend of mine is your stepdad I never met. And that was a whole other side of things that were just like, whoa, how God pieces things together. And just that sweetness of fellowship that can come because we have a common friend, Jesus, our relationship with him. Very sweet. Anyone else have anything you'd like to share? Well, we'll have another opportunity in a few moments. I, um, in preparing the message for later this morning, I realized I probably have about four sermons, and um, I don't have enough time to preach four sermons, so I thought, well, if we have time here in Bible Hour, we'll touch base on some of those. Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 3? This is one of the points of the topic I was going to look at later this morning, but I don't think we'll have time to get to it. It's my last point. And um, it's had a unique specialness to me in the last few weeks. Philippians chapter 3. And if we look here, we need to learn a little bit about Paul. Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Does that sound like Paul? It does because you know Paul, but he's wanting to make a point. He goes on and says, circumcised the eighth day, just like a good Jew should be, of the stock of Israel. We're God's chosen people of the tribe of Benjamin. Yeah, everybody from the tribe of Benjamin is really proud of it. And Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee. The law is a big deal to these guys. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. He was so passionate about his Judaism that he was one who was persecuting the Christian church touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted for loss. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I might win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, 
being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I may attain unto the righteousness, or I'm sorry, unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Jesus Christ. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I don't want to stop, but we need to make a few comments because he keeps on going and it just is so beautiful. What do we have here? Did you catch the one word here that's our theme word we've been studying? Did you find it there? Did you catch it? Which verse is it in? Just shout it out. Did I hear more than one? Verse 10. Do you see the phrase there? Fellowship of his sufferings. See, this is kind of interesting because you see, if you look here at some of these things he listed in verses 5 and 6, you know, those were some clubs. Did you catch that? Those were some clubs. You know, we might even call them some fellowships. The fellowship of Pharisees. Now, we all got this really impression of Pharisees, right? Well, in Paul's day and before, it wasn't quite that way. Oh, the Pharisees, that's the club to be in. Yep, be in the Pharisaical club or the Sadducees club. Uh, be in these clubs. They were kind of like fellowships. Now, we know that the Pharisaical club particularly and um, the Sadducee clubs, they were both had some major club problems, especially when it came to Jesus because their righteousness was all about doing good themselves, about being, what was it, as touching the law, blameless. I mean, he was right here in all these clubs. He's the Benjamite. He's of the stock of Israel. He's right there with all of these clubs. But what are all of those clubs to him when it comes to the question of real fellowship? He says they're as dung. Animal poop. Ugh. What is so incredible about real fellowship is that it's not about in keeping some list of rules. It's not about a relationship of having these common interests or these common zeal of persecuting the church or my way or that way. It is a living relationship with the creator of all things. Him living inside of me and him living inside of you. And we together have this relationship that totally changes our lives. And sometimes it will impact how we live to the point of, do you see what he describes here? The fellowship of his sufferings.
Later today, we're going to look at how one aspect of fellowship is how we help each other. And one of the reasons why we need to help each other is because sometimes for the cause of Christ and our relationship with him, because it's more important than everything else, we may suffer for it. Paul did. Paul did. We in America, this is very foreign to us. But it may not be. It may not be in coming days. And will we find the richness of fellowship? Fellowship in Christ's suffering? In death? Well, in this, it's because we have a hope in Jesus, which is a hope of resurrection. And this is not found in any of our own righteousnesses. It is found in the righteousness that is of God, verse 9, by faith. Our fellowship is a fellowship in righteousness that is of God. And he's the one who leads us in so many things. And he gives us hope. Suffering. I don't think I want a fellowship of suffering. Would you name a club the Suffering Club? Well, there's some clubs that have done that, and it's a great evil, actually, of self-mutilation and other things like that. It's a horror evil. There is no such kind of a club. There's no good kind of club. Unless it is, not because we're pursuing persecution or suffering, but because as we're pursuing our God, which is what the rest of this passage is really talking about that we've even cut short. And for the sake of pursuing God, we suffer for it. We have a fellowship with Jesus. And his suffering is like our suffering. And just as he endured suffering and the torture of the cross, so we can endure whatever comes our way for the sake of God. So are we a part of the suffering fellowship? There's, a, there's an old thing, and I don't, I, I don't know how specific or critical to be, but there's this idea was in the, when I was a teenager, um, I believe there was a song written, and um, it was a theme of, I'm going to be a Jesus freak. I don't know, I'm curious if anybody remembers that. Um, it was really popular. And it always troubled me. It was this idea of, I'm going to be such a freak about Jesus that it doesn't matter if I'm persecuted or not. Now, we need to be on fire for God. And we need to have a relationship with him so that no matter what, if persecution comes, it comes. But we got to be careful about this idea of pursuing it. Or, here's the other part, as if in ourselves we can find this ability to be like we read of the martyrs of the faith. It, it's, it's not us that creates that patience that we read about or that endurance or that dedication. What is it? Is it I'm going to be? What is it that really creates that patience, that endurance? What is it? You're right. I was just going to rephrase and say, it's not what is it, who is it? I didn't have to. She already got it. 
It's Jesus. So it's me surrendering to Jesus and letting him have his way with me. It's not about my little pet projects, pet goals, pet religion, pet theologies. It's about seeking Jesus and knowing his way and knowing him through his word. Now, there is a kind of suffering that we do have in this day, and it's, it's just under the sin curse that is in the world around us. We have troubles. We have problems. Suffering does come from that. I like to tell you a story of something that really um, has intrigued me um, since my dad's passing. You know he had Parkinson's disease. And um, I've discovered after his death that he had, a little, he had a little fellowship of suffering with other people who had Parkinson's. You know, when you could see, Parkinson's is one of those very obvious diseases, right? Everybody sees it. So people would come up to him and say, hey, I've just been diagnosed with Parkinson's or my dad's been diagnosed with Parkinson's or these different people would see him shaking and they'd come and tell him. And I didn't know this, but he was keeping a list of all kinds of different people he'd meet or he'd find out had Parkinson's. Now here after he's dead, people are calling and reaching out and saying, you know, he used to call me from time to time just to see how I was doing and to encourage me. And, um, and, and it's just amazing at how many people are, are sharing this. And, it's, and, and how they're just, some of them are just like, he's the only one in my life who ever had a positive, positive role. And um, it's kind of interesting to me. Um, if you study Parkinson's and you study some of the impacts it has on a person, one of the number one, well, nobody, not nobody, but people don't really die from Parkinson's. If you look at my dad's death certificate, Parkinson's isn't even listed on it. Um, his cancers are listed on it, so much so that we're actually wondering, shouldn't it be listed as something somewhere on it? Um, and, and yeah, there's a conversation between the VA and the doctors to whether or not it should be listed on one of the little boxes further down, but it can't be listed as a primary cause of death because it's not a primary cause of death. Um, but you know what is one of the top morbidities, morbidities for people who have Parkinson's disease? So in my dad's case, he had cancer. That's what took his life, the cancer was. But one of the top reasons why people die with Parkinson's is suicide. Because the disease is so debilitating and so discouraging, and there's no cure, and it won't kill you. And oftentimes, Parkinson's people die from suicide. There's actually some very famous people who you would know um, in the secular world who have died because of suicide upon a recent diagnosis with Parkinson's disease. And it's a really serious problem. And I think this is one of the reasons why there was a little bit of a fellowship of suffering and why I think Dad had made it a point of a ministry of calling people and just encouraging them and how real that is. And it's kind of now convicted me because I say, whoa, 
okay, my dad was tuned into this for obvious reasons. Here now, I knew my dad, and I knew how important it was. I mean, we're still struggling. My mom still says he gave up hope. Now, he didn't take his life, but the cancer took him. She's like, he gave up hope. And he did. He did give up hope on anything. He was so frustrated with the Parkinson's disease. But I'm asking myself the question, do I see people, and do I join their fellowship of suffering? I don't have Parkinson's. I don't have this ailment. I don't have that problem. But do I see people? Do I, do I see their suffering? And sometimes it's invisible. You know, that's one weird thing about Parkinson's. It was very visible. You, you saw nothing of dad's cancer until the very end when he just looked, looked so peaked and dead. You, you didn't see the, the cancer but you could see the Parkinson's. And how often are we not listening to be able to see a suffering to know how can I encourage? How can I send a note? How can I make a phone call? How can I help? How do I see? And though I myself had this disease or this suffering, be able to minister to such a person who has the same thing. Another experience I've had since Dad died is um, we had a matter we had to take care of um, post-death relating to his estate. And um, we went in to begin some things and sat down, and um, the lady pulled up the details of his accounts and so forth. And she just kind of uncomfortably shifted in her chair awkwardly and just kind of looked at us. And, um, and then we handed her um, the death certificate. And as soon as she got it, most of the time when people get handed a death certificate, they don't even bother looking at it. They take it and they go photocopy it and they bring it back and they're just done with it. She gets that death certificate and the first thing she does is she scans down through it. And she did that. And then she kind of choked up, got a little emotional. And it wasn't, I wasn't real clear. And we went on and, and did our business, and she made a few comments about she, I, I, knew, I knew Virgil. I, I didn't realize he'd be gone. And um, she shared that the last time she'd seen him, he had come in and had made sure all of his accounts were in order so that there were no difficulties for everything to be transferring to mom, his wife. And, um, and, and that, was, that was about it. We did all of our business, and I went back in a little uh, sometime later, and she was there, and she said, can I talk to you? And so, sure. So we sat down right there in the middle of the lobby, and she says, when your dad came in here, it was obvious he had Parkinson's disease. So I asked him about it. And, um, and he, he confirmed that he had Parkinson's. And then I asked him, how do you make it through every day? He says, I never do make it through every day. He told her, Jesus helps me through every day. Actually, that doesn't sound like my dad. My dad would have said, the Lord helps me through every day. But she got it, translated it. The Lord helps me through every day. 
And um, here he was the last time, and she helped him make sure everything was in order. And you know what she was convinced he was doing? Getting everything set up to take his own life. And she told me that either a father, an uncle, someone very close to her had Parkinson's and had taken his own life. And she said she didn't believe him when he said that Jesus is the one that helps him through every day. And she thought, sure, when he left, that he would take his own life. And so when she got that death certificate and she saw that he died of natural causes, that's what tripped her up. And actually, she, the, the, she confessed that when, when we left, that she just went into her office and just wept. And I began to think through that and meditate on that story. You see, Dad had a fellowship of suffering with Christ. And the only reason he was really able to endure that it's because he had a fellowship with his Savior, the risen Savior, the one who had suffered for us, died for us, but rose again, and in him he gives life. You realize that no matter how good our life is, there really is no purpose to this life apart from what God has ascribed value to it. Think about it. That's the reason why we need him. That's the reason why we need fellowship with him every single day. Really, go without food for a little while. This is one of the values of fasting. You feel so weak. You know, some of us can hardly go a meal without getting angry. You know, they talk about that. It doesn't make any sense to me, but there's people who have that problem. What, what is it? Some of you don't know what hangry means. It means that because you're hungry, you get angry. They call it hangry. It's, it's sometimes used as an excuse to be angry, and that's not a good thing. Anger in that sense is never good. But, you know, how do you have life? What is the purpose in life? Every one of us needs to be viewing our lives as a fellowship with Christ. And there's nothing else. He'll take care of everything else. And are we showing forth a testimony of who Christ is? And do people see him? Do people see him in our lives? And do we profess him to people? Do people know Jesus is our life? Is he our life? Is he our life? Paul had a special renouncement, that's not a word, is it? Renouncement. Of all the clubs he was in, will we renounce all the clubs we're in for Jesus? Will he be our all in all? One thing that Dad had in the Parkinson's thing is he was a part of this thing called um, rock steady boxing, and it was actually boxing for Parkinson's patients because it actually helps you, you know? work out all those wiggles 
and and things and um and it was it was as much a support group as it was a boxing side of things and um you know that's a club right and dad was a part of those clubs so whatever places we are do we go there as the representatives of jesus we go there as the representatives of Jesus. Those kinds of things aren't bad. But there is when we can bring Jesus and our fellowship with him to proclaim him to others. Let's be faithful to do that. I promise that we'd have some time if anyone else had thoughts they wanted to share in relation to the idea of fellowship. Anyone else have any thoughts they'd like to share? Activities and areas in which we have a joint participation, which is my favorite. Uh, four different times in uh, Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Hebrews, you have joint participation in financial ministry to needy saints. It's a joint participation, not only with them, but really with God, who we are faithful and He has given to us. Uh, you have it in a negative sense. <coughs> In uh, 2 Corinthians 6, what communion, that's the word, hath light with darkness, with uh, spiritual evil or spiritual darkness with the light that God has given to us. You have participation in the gospel uh, <clears throat> about three times. Uh, when Paul is going out, they give the right hand of fellowship in missionary work. Um, <clears throat> You have fellowship in 1 John uh, with the Father, which affects our fellowship with each other. There's just a few of them. So there's a whole list of different areas in which we have a common joint participation in various areas. Yes, yes. He just gave the outline for my sermon in a few minutes. We're, we're going to dive into it. We're going to do just that. We're going to develop it. That's the plan. Yes, thank you. Mr. Bondi? For, for a number of years, Philippians 3, 7 through 14 has been a favorite passage. And kind of building on what you were saying, going back to verse 10, we talked about the fellowship of his sufferings. And all that you said about your dad, I then jumped down to Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. And what it makes me think is that I think so many of us, me included, can celebrate in the suffering. But that's not what we're called to do. What you described, how you um, put forth that fellowship of the suffering is not the suffering that we have, but the sharing with others so that we can forget those things which are behind, which whether they are from last week, from last year, from 30 years ago, 
seconds ago, put those things behind and read more than those things which are ahead, which are the intents of Christ. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I know a little of your story, so that's how I know what you're talking about, where you're going, but I'm only hearing a few words. I had an example of, of fellowship and suffering. Uh, I lost my father at a very early age. And the Sunday school teacher that I had uh, almost became like my spiritual father. And uh, he had Parkinson's disease also. And I found note uh, that was kind of buried in my stuff that I was digging through last week. And it was from him. And it was when Demi and I got married. And he said that uh, he had announced to our fe fellowship, which was uh, Plymouth Brethren in New York, that we, I was going to be married. And he wanted me to know that he would be presenting me before the throne of Jesus for my future. Yes. Fellowshipping and presenting once before the throne of Jesus, prayer. Is that the, the application I'm getting from what you shared? Yeah. We can fellowship by praying for one another. Thank you. Anyone else? Ruth over here. I really feel like it's a gift. After my grandma passed away, we had someone in a church in Wisconsin who said he had a lot of um, physical problems, but he would say, your grandma was the one who would always call, like right when I got home from the hospital saying, how are you? And she would pray for people. And I know as a teenager, I was going through spiritual struggles and she would write to me and pray. It was just a blessing to see her, how she'd always seek to encourage people in their sufferings. Yeah. Brother Ray? Most people know I'm in pest control, <laughs> and uh, I had kind of fellowship with customers, of all things. Uh, they knew I was a Christian, not because I told them that I was a Christian, but by my actions. And one of them was a young man, his name's Woody, and he likes to build these weird-looking creatures, which, uh, yeah, transformers. <clears throat> And uh, 
he wanted me to share why I'm different. He says, I know you're a Christian, but you're, you're the only one I know that lives what I think a Christian should live like. So I spent several months, once a week, going over there, and going through the scriptures, sharing the gospel. And uh, a couple of the Randall kids uh, got to hear about him, and one of them got to know him. And he actually gave one a transformer, a brand new one. And I thought that was very impressive. But I said, that things like that won't get you to heaven. So I saw him yesterday, and I was talking to him, and I said, how's the uh, Christian life going? He said, well, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be lost, and I won't be happy, joyful. And uh, he's going through a uh, serious uh, loss of weight program. He weighed literally over 400 and some pounds. And uh, he's seeing successful things happen in his life that way. But he's so joyful. And, he's, and I, I was just so glad that I had the opportunity to lead him to Christ. And uh, even though I'm retired, I still help people in pest control. And still able to be a witness to them. So I kind of call that a, a fellowship outside the church with the lost and get to see them come to Christ. It's a fellowship of the gospel is the phrase that then results in the fellowship, this Christian fellowship. Yes, thank you. Anyone else? Okay, let's just close here with a word of prayer. Gracious Father, we give thanks to you that we can know you, that we can be one with you through Jesus Christ. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, which you have given to us to fill us. May we walk in you. May we have fellowship with you. Lord Jesus, Dear Holy Spirit, show us our fellowship with darkness that we may break it off. For we need and prefer the fellowship with light, and you are light, and in you is no darkness at all. May we seek you this day. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will be with us as a church. May we continue steadfastly in fellowship. All the different aspects of that. Help us not to forget the doings of fellowship and forget that our relationship with you is the source of our fellowship, the basis, the reality. You are so good to us. May we have your mind, your eyes, your heart, and may we walk in you. We praise you and love you. We commit this day to you as we pray. Amen.